Hello and welcome to the Split Real Podcast. My name is Steve Packnick and joining me as always, Gabe Acevedo. How's it going down there, man? Hello, everyone. It's going good. End of the week. We're happy here recording for everybody. So let's do this. Yeah, I got myself a new microphone, so it's all going to sound way better than it has in the past, hopefully. <laughs> now you, we have your voice even clearer. Yeah, so now you can hear through the mumbles even even better than normal. <laughs> So this week, we actually have a special bonus episode. That's what we're recording right now. And this is in honor of Valentine's Day coming up and also to all the boys I've loved before, number three coming out uh, this weekend. So we're going to be talking all about rom-coms. Rom-coms are fun. So why not do this? Yeah. And because like, you know, Gabe and I, we, we, we watch a lot of rom-coms. I didn't realize how many I watched. You know, there's, there's quite a lot. So true. Um, it's such an interesting genre and there's so much to talk about in it that we felt like, you know, we might not be the best experts on this. So we decided to bring on a guest. So joining us this week is someone very close to both of us and someone close by, Kayla Fuentes Packnick. Welcome to the pod. Hi guys. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so happy that you're here with us, especially to talk about rom-coms. I love a good rom-com. Not saying that that's a gender stereotype or anything, but I'm very, very excited <laughs> to talk about all these different movies and the entire genre. Yeah, it's it's it, it's such a huge genre. I, it's funny, when doing our research for this, I was a little nervous that I wouldn't have a lot to talk about. And then I started looking at the list of movies and realized I've seen like a ton of these movies, like so many movies in the rom-com genre. Yep. I mean, we were talking about before we started recording how I thought, oh, it's not my favorite genre. And then when I was narrowing down my list, I'm like, I've seen so, so many of these. Yeah. So what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be talking about the the state of rom-coms, the, the evolution of rom-coms, what's appealing about them. And then we're going to share our top fives, some some of our favorite, favorite rom-coms of the past 30 years. We're trying to limit it to 30 years. We don't want to go all the way back. I mean, Film history is filled with tons of movies, but, you know, we're going to limit it to just the past 30 years and talk about our, our favorite movies, go around, share them, share some honorable mentions, talk about why we love these movies. So just to kick things off, Gabe, what's, what are, why do you think, well, Gabe and Kayla, why do you think uh, rom-coms are so appealing to so many people? What, what is it about them that just makes it such a wide thing? I mean, we, we've had over 300 in the past 30 years. Well, I think... The first thing is that we're taught since we were kids, like you need to find your perfect person and you need to fall in love and you have to have a family. So I think we're just um, trained for lack of a better word to just fall into like, oh, everything lovey-dovey. But then also they're just escapist movies. They, you know, they, they range, and we'll probably get into this later, but they range from like the cheesy rom-coms to more realistic rom-coms. And it just gives us a chance to escape and laugh and go in an hour and a half or two hours in a journey with somebody like you meet boy meets girl. Well, nowadays, every somebody meets somebody, you have a trial and tribulations, and then you end up together in the end. And I think that's just fun and it's captivating and it gives us just, sense, um, just a chance to like, I wish I was that person. I wish I had that happened to me in my life. I wish I could just break out into song to fall in love with somebody. That's exactly what I was going to say too. I think that it is such an escapist genre of movie with a common denominator for any audience member. I mean, ultimately, I feel like the majority of people are looking for love and relationships and ultimately happiness. And not to say that 
the only way to find happiness and fulfillment is through love and a relationship, but they're just feel good, happy movies. Mm -hmm. And you can basically always know that you're going to come out feeling better than when he went into the movie. For sure. I mean, I think one of the things you you guys both mentioned escapist. I mean, I think this is why we have so many Adam Sandler rom-coms because what he does is he just makes these so he can go on vacation. I mean, he goes to Hawaii, goes to Africa, goes wherever he wants to go. That's why he makes them. I mean, that's why some people watch them. It's great to just watch other people have a great time, especially, especially today. It's funny watching these movies like, you know, while sitting in our house because we can't go anywhere. And then like realizing like, oh, wow, this is this is what Europe looks like. This is what, you know, the tropics look like. It's really fun to watch for sure. And I think if we look back at the history of rom-coms, which is what we're going to be doing today, for me, a lot of times it's also being jealous of the houses and the jobs (laughs) of the characters. It's like, who is a gossip columnist and has a three bedroom penthouse apartment in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, you know? like Who doesn't love to see people with absurd professions and really nice clothes and houses? Or with no professions at all. With <laughs> because there are some rock and you're like, this person doesn't work. Like, yeah. come on, and they have this house? No, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. I, I, I love the absurdity of some of the jobs that people have and just, I mean, I think that's one of the tropes within these within these movies. And I think it's just a really fun thing. Another thing I was thinking about is they're usually simple. Like they're not complex. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they're not dramas. They're, they're, they're ways to just relax and unwind. You don't have to think about it. Uh, they're not usually dark. There have been like dark moments or heavy moments in rom-coms as of as of late. Uh, I mean, I have. I we're going to talk a, a little about them in some. One of the movies on my list talks a little bit about that. But like, they're they're just they're they're fun. They're just fun movies. Some of them, I I remember like falling out of my seat laughing with some of them. And they're just they're such a fun thing to watch. Well, I think they they rom-coms fall into this idea of what I think some what I think movies really are which is just entertainment you know it's obviously it's great to have movies to challenge us and make us think and those are necessary and I love them and I need them in my life but sometimes I also want to just take out my glasses and my filter through which I would see the world and just have a good time no matter what I'm seeing on screen and just be entertained by a movie Mm. and I think especially in the times that we have been living in for the past year I feel like we are all primed and ready to watch a good rom-com. There's no drama, there's no pandemic. And the drama that we are watching is happy because you basically know everything's gonna be okay in the end. So it gives us a little bit more hope, which is something we are severely lacking these days. <laughs> Desperately need of. One thing I also noted that's really funny is they're like, like, you, like you're saying, they're safe. They're safe movies. You know, like mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're watching a rom-com, it follows a particular formula you're almost certain they're going to be together in the end. It's only on the rare occasion that they don't. And my, my favorite thing, I was thinking about this while watching a movie the other day. And there's so many awkward moments in these movies, right? Where like characters say awkward things and they're, they're in this really uncomfortable situation that we've all been in before. Certain awkward conversations with, especially with someone that you're attracted to and you're, you make like a weird, awkward statement and you're like, oh no, that was like terrible. But you don't have to feel that for real because you just feel it through someone else, but you know that feeling. So you can feel that awkward moment, but then also be like, wait, I don't have to actually really 
fully commit to it because I'm not part of it. So it makes it really fun. You can laugh at that because you laugh in the, like in yourself remembering those moments too. So mm-hmm. it, it's such a it's such a fun genre, I think, to to really experience. So over the last like 30, 30 years or so, I've just noticed a huge shift in the in the genre. I mean, things have changed dramatically from the 80s and 90s into the 2000s and the 2010s. Like so many of the story types have changed, who's in these movies, where they're being produced. So I just wanted to get your comments on that and see like what you guys think about the overall evolution of the genre from the 80s and 90s and into the 2000s and 2010s, because it's it's really changed quite a lot. I think for me, one of the things that really stands out is, you know, throughout the 70s, 80s, even into the early 90s, we were, we had a very particular formula for rom-coms. Everybody knew what they were. And from there, I think that gave us a solid foundation to jump off of. And we've seen, you know, over the last 20 years, where we can go with the genre and what stories can be told through this formula while also tweaking it to kind of reflect where we are as a culture and as a society today. I agree with that 100%. And I think like every single movie and every genre out there, these movies are a reflection of their time. Um, and, you know, you see those 80s, like I said before, like, I love the 80s. I, I love the 80s, my favorite decade. So, you know, you get these 80s movies, these very cheesy um, 80s movies and then 90s rom-coms go into like the more lovey-dovey still cheesy but very lovey-dovey with higher stakes the 2000s they go into this full-on comedy um, side of rom-coms and then now in the 2010s as times have changed and we've made more progressive or more progression in society we get rom-coms that we definitely didn't get in the 80s and 90s you know we get queer rom-coms we get more diversity in rom-coms so i think they're definitely a reflection of their time they have changed um i think all of them are valid and i think all of them are awesome and I, and again i that's why i say like movies are a reflection of their time it's okay to watch movies in this case rom-coms from the 80s and yes they might have issues but we're like they're fun and they were made in the 80s they're not made in 2020 or 2021 with that lens yeah i think what's really funny is when you start to look at some of these rom-coms and especially when you look back i mean i'm looking at the list of these movies and it's kind of funny when you talk about like things aging and things like that and products of their age it's really funny to look back and be like i can't believe and like it's difficult to understand how some people starred in these movies as like romantic leads. For example, how Jack Nicholson is starring in a comedy, in a romantic comedy. I just don't understand it. Even even watching it like at the top, like near the closer to the time and throughout it, I, I still don't understand how people found Jack Nicholson attractive. I don't Perhaps understand it at all. Maybe he wasn't physically attractive and I'm honestly not sure if there ever was a time when somebody could say that Jack Nicholson was a physically attractive person but there is all respect to Jack Nicholson by the way great actor Absolutely. great actor <laughs> but I think, you know, so if Jack Nicholson's listening in uh sorry to insult you and thank you for listening to the pod <laughs> you know, so I'm assuming you're talking about as good as it gets yeah right so it came out in 1997 and for all intents and purposes the character that he's playing is not a good guy. No, no. He's kind of an asshole. (laughs) No, he is an asshole. But there ultimately is something charming and eventually redeeming about that character that makes that movie really rewatchable. And maybe it has something to do with the supporting cast or the cast that he has around him, or maybe Mm -hmm. it was the story that's being told within the film. But I don't think he was a bad choice. 
possibly a risky choice on paper to put Jack Nicholson in a rom-com, it's, but it's just funny to watch look back on it. Like that, like yeah. yeah. It's definitely funny. And I and I and I I I'm with you, Kay, when you say like, you know, it, it helps that he has a cast of charming people around him. You know, you have people like Helen Hunt, who was a major TV star um in mad about you and then i think that's that's when we start to seeing those lines of tv and movies blend together um you have greg kinnear um in it which i think he's adorable and awesome in it but i also think this is when rom-coms and other genres start to get validation when you start pulling in actors at the stature of jack nicholson to maybe a genre that people don't see as quote unquote, real cinema or like high end cinema. And they start bringing in these people, high names to kind of validate the genre. More. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. I think what's actually really interesting when you when speaking about that is the actual drop off. Actually, we have a huge drop off till like today. Thinking about the genre today, we don't have massive stars in rom-coms today. We don't. I mean, you look at the past few years and there aren't many huge, huge stars in these movies. Some of these movies have reached big heights. Like, uh, you know, we have certain, certainly over the last five years, we have movies that have reached big heights, things like Crazy Rich Asians or, um, oh my God, there really aren't that many. Just looking at the list, there really aren't that many that have reached crazy, <laughs> crazy high heights, but they're not really being A-list stars in a lot of these movies recently. There's there's not really any A-list stars in any of the movies that have come out in the last like couple of years. I'm just looking back, even in 2019, the last year we actually had movies in theaters there's only one of the rom-coms has anywhere close to A-list stars. I mean, it stars two A-listers. I'm not going to, I don't want to mention it right now because it's going to come up in one of our lists, but uh, it does star A-list stars. But beyond that, like things like well, Last Christmas, I, I wouldn't say that they're A-list stars. I would say B+, very, very strong so B+. So you're saying Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson's not, she's not starring in it though. She's not, she's, she's in the movie, but she's not starring in it. But like, isn't it romantic? I would say, you know, Rebel Wilson gets close to, mm-hmm. she's a, she's like a, a B plus star, like, especially in like the MTV culture or, you know, you're just not, you're not getting those A-list stars A-list anymore. Stream, I mean, yeah. And we're not seeing them be blockbusters the way mm. they were in the late nineties, early two yeah. thousands. Yep. Certainly not. They're not pulling in millions and millions of dollars for studios and especially not today with, theaters being shut down and most a lot of these movies being released via streaming mm-hmm. yeah another thing i like too another thing i was just interested in your your guys comments on is the idea that like there, these movies also over the last 30 years have shifted from quote-unquote chick flicks into just like genre movies and like the rom-coms used to be thought of as like chick flicks you look at some of the movies in the 90s and in the early 2000s especially like you know the 0102 you get tons of movies that you're like oh wow these are definite quote unquote chick flicks you know like movies that are for like women not necessarily for couples i mean if the couples are going it's because they're being mostly probably because they're being dragged by women to go see see these movies they're made for women you know things like how to lose a guy in 10 days or bridget jones's diary or uh like the wedding planner things like that like they're they're not they're not made for those are like your stereotypical chick flicks but then later on in the in the in the decade, you start to get away from that and have like the idea of just like rom-coms and just being fun, romantic comedies. In looking at the list that we have of most of the rom-coms that have come out in the last 30 years, I remember so many of these movies 
being the ones that I either went to see with my friends at the movie theater or they were the sleepover movies. They were the, you know, mm. mom packing up in the minivan, taking you to the video store. So you could rent most of these movies when you have a sleepover on a Friday night with all your girlfriends. And I remember them being called chick flicks. And, you know, Steve just said, said that term. And it, that hasn't been something that I've thought about in years because we, I think the genre has expanded and it's become inclusive in so many different ways that now they're making romantic comedies that are appealing to men, that are appealing to really anyone because of the stories that they're telling. They're featuring, Gabe, you said it earlier, a more diverse cast in all sense of the word. Yeah. And so to call it a chick flick, I am realizing now, like A, that was a term that was a product of its time, but B, I think that me being surprised by it also just shows how far the genre has come. Oh, absolutely. And especially now you have a lot of rom-coms with male leads. Like obviously in a rom-com, you always have a male lead, but you have the men taking the center spot in the movie and the men going after the girl or their main goal or the man going through the, the, the issues and everything. It's not only the woman as it was in the 90s and 2000s, you know, you had the woman falling in love with the guy and the guy had to come in and rescue the girl. And that has changed so much. Again, a reflection of its time and when when these movies are being made and how they're being portrayed and how they're being sold to us. I mean, it's definitely something like, you know, the genre, the the like the gender bending is like really an interesting, funny like thing. Like when you swap roles in terms of these these movies that also plays into the comedy aspect of it. We had these great comedic performances that come out and like start playing in these roles, you know, whether it be someone someone like Seth Rogen or Jason Siegel to play in these characters or, you know, Paul Rudd, the ageless Paul Rudd, just playing in every single one of these movies. I mean, he comes up and he definitely comes up on my list, but like, you know, you have these people who are able to take these, these characters and these funny things and just bring them forward. And it's just, I thought that was just a really funny thing. I think maybe, you know, the other thing could also be just millennials are better at watching movies than, you know, previous generations. You know, that could be. Maybe. <laughs> you could just blame millennials for killing the chick flick. Right? Is that a thing? We could just yeah. blame we could blame millennials for more stuff to get that they're destroying. Sure, why not? Why not? Sounds good to me. So, I mean, with all of that, like you know, all this being said, like, where do you guys think the the genre is going to go from here? Like, where does it go from here in twenty twenty one? I mean, we have our first Netflix movie. We have our first rom com of the year coming out. And honestly, I was looking at the the list of movies coming out this year, anticipated movies. This is the only rom-com they had. Uh, there was a list of 90 movies that are coming out that I looked through this year. Only one of them is a rom-com. I know Kayla, yeah. you wanted to talk about, you wanted to talk about this yeah. one that's coming out, but like uh, only one is a rom-com that's coming out this year. That's in anticipated movies. That's interesting. I am absurdly excited for the final installment of To All the Boys I've Loved Before. So when the first one came out, it would have been two years ago, mm-hmm. come, came out on Netflix. It's a Netflix movie. It's based on a book series by Jenny Han. Um, it's a young adult book series, which we've seen in recent years, a lot of young adult books getting turned into mm. movies. And I think with you know, the expansion of streaming services, we have that opportunity to do lower budget, more affordable, but incredibly accessible movies for a new generation of people. And so after the first Tall the Boys I Left Before came out, I went to the library, got all three books, binge read them in <laughs> two, maybe three days, read all three. And I absolutely love it. And for me, they 
really just speak to me on so many levels. It features an Asian American main character who is biracial, just like me. And so thinking about rom-coms or if we want to call them chick flicks over the last 30 years, there was never a character that looked like me and my friends and my family. And we're finally getting that in 2019 with To All The Boys I Loved Before. And it's not in a way that feels like it's pandering or feeling like tokenism. It's just a genuinely great story about a teenage girl trying to figure out love. Yeah, and this just seems like the direction that, you know, rom-coms are going to me. I mean, we've got, uh, you know, Netflix is putting out a lot of rom-coms. They're all, they're all going out there. I mean, you look at the last couple of years, they started with, you know, a lot of teen ones as well. They, they have teen ones like, um, like the kissing, like booth. the kissing booth. Yeah. The kissing mm-hmm. booth is another example. And to all the boys I love, they put out three in the last, you know, three years. So these, that's where they're going. Uh, even, even last year, things like they had the kissing booth too. They had um, love guaranteed the lovebirds. Uh, I think love wedding repeat is on there. Like they're all, they're all on Netflix and they're all streaming. Yeah. Is this like the direction we're going in Gabe? I, I I think so. Um, I'm actually surprised that you said that you were looking at movies that are coming out this year and there's only one rom-com in that list. Yeah. Um, I'm really surprised because even whatever your thoughts on are on, on rom-coms, it's, they're accessible movies. They are movies that in a pandemic era, especially, you can totally put in the screen, watch it with your significant other or your family, your friends, the people, your friends that you're actually live with or you can actually see not a party um and enjoy them so i'm really surprised that we're not getting more because they are again Mm. like we said before they're escapist films and very accessible and easy to watch you know i piggybacking up kayla's point i think it's it's she has she 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 is right when she says the fact that they are more there is more diversity in this movies and we can see ourselves reflected more in them you know me being a gay puerto rican man the fact that i can see myself um, other than the butt of a joke, like I used to in the nineties, like in movies, like in and out, which I love. It's a great film. And Joan Cusack gives a hell of a performance in, but you know, the gay character in that movie is used as the butt of a joke because he is outed. And the fact that he comes out and the wedding and everything. And now we see movies like love Simon um, the thing about Harry happiest season where queer stories, where I see myself mm-hmm. reflected in, are more accessible and are making it mainstream. So that's huge. Um, mm. I think the future is streaming, especially if these movies are not making the amount of money they used to make. Yeah, I mean, I for know sure. People use the case of like, oh, but you have your occasional movie that makes a hundred million dollars and gets it, it gets award traction, like um, Crazy Rich Asians. But when you have a blip like that in a string of movies, that doesn't help the case to release them mainstream or release them in theaters. So yeah. I definitely I think the streaming being the future for these for this genre. Yeah. I think you're right. You know, we're looking at Crazy Rich Asians, again, talking about a book series that's being adapted into films. The budget for that was huge by comparison to the other rom-coms that we've seen coming out in recent years. And I think given the fact that they aren't making the money that they used to with Crazy Rich Asians being probably the exception to our new rule, streaming is going to be the smartest way for studios to keep this genre alive without breaking the bank. 
the other thing I've noticed too is uh, I mentioned this earlier, but it's the la- the loss of uh, A-listers. A-listers have abandoned this genre. I think that's one of the reasons why I'm sure there's other rom-coms coming out this year. I'm sure that there's going to be like probably 10 rom-coms at least coming out this year, but A-listers aren't in this. They're not having, you know, they're not having, you know, huge, huge movie stars being in these movies anymore. You know, you're not getting someone like Jennifer Lopez. You're not getting, um, you're not getting Tom Cruise. You're not getting, julia roberts you're not getting like these these, yeah you're you're not you're not getting these these massive movie stars starring in these movies now yeah and i think that's because there was a moment that especially in the 90s and 2000s again i think that's the heyday of rom-coms um you had this big these big a-listers doing rom-com after rom-com after rom-com and i think it was difficult for them to get out of that rom-com genre and that rom-com bias and i don't that's why i don't think a lot of a-listers are returning to that genre unless you have maybe the occasional movie that they see can branch out of rom-coms that Mm -hmm. have more heft to them. I was just thinking about, this just came into my mind in looking at like the rite of passage. It used to be that like actors, if you wanted to become the A-list actor, you need to have, you know, you need to have the rom-com in there. And then that'll catapult you to like the next level. Mm -hmm. And today that's been substituted with superhero movies if you want to be that next level actor you need to be in a superhero movie rather than a rom-com because i'm just looking back like even a couple of years ago something like that awkward moment which stars miles teller zach efron and michael, michael, b. B. Jordan. michael b jordan you know that was a, that's a movie that stars three huge coming coming actors who are who are now really big and successful mm-hmm. and like that was a movie but those actors aren't going to, they're not going back to rom-coms. You know, they're, they're oh. moving on to superhero movies. They're moving on to, to whatever, whatever else. Like they've got, right. you know, they've they're got. They're leading their own franchises now. You know, yep. you have Miles Teller in the new Top Gun coming out. We have Michael B. Jordan, who is leading the Creed series and also was Killmonger in Black Panther. Yep. They used that that as a stepping stone. I mean, Miles Teller was in a couple of different rom-coms. I mean, we know Zac Efron being a product of Disney that already helped him get that leg up, mm-hmm. but he used those as a way to kind of catapult him into the roles that mm-hmm. would really solidify his position as an actor. Yeah. Well, and also, and, and, and just to add something more to the acting part of it, actors, when, when, when you have these actors that want to are want to be taken seriously, want Oscars, want all of this, you have their dramas, they do their small independent films, but you also want to make money. Those movies don't make money. That's yeah. why you saw people like Renee Selwager, Julia Roberts, um, Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Lopez, you know, try and get their Oscars and do their small dramas and their whatever movies, but also do the rom-coms because those are the movies that at that time made the money. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't see, like... I'm just, I was just thinking, you're not going to see Timothy Chalamet in one of these. You know, he's not going to be in a romantic comedy uh, necessarily, unless it's The French Dispatch, unless it's with like an acclaimed actor. You don't like an acclaimed director. Unless it's with Greta Gerwig and and Cersei Ronan, he's not going to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like even even that wouldn't. Be, I, that's that's a tough like look as as a true rom com. I mean, it's certainly funny, but I don't want to consider that a rom- romantic movie at all. But uh, like, yeah, unless it's with them two, he's not going to be going back to that genre. Although I would love to see Greta Gerwig's romantic comedy with Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet. Can we make that happen? Does someone have? We, I, I I'm down for that. Yeah, Sweet let's get let's get that. their number. Let's get let's get them uh let's get them on the podcast. We'll, and get we'll, the, get the, we'll email them later. 
We'll get a spec script going in the next uh, month or so. That sounds like a great movie. <laughs> oh, definitely for sure. So, so basically, we're we're all in agreement. It's it's going to streamers. You know, they're all on streaming, and they're lower budget, less like younger. If they're skewing younger. Um, it's just it's just going to be a different genre. I mean, I think that the heyday of of the of the rom com is gone, uh, which isn't necessarily bad. Uh, some of them have aged poorly. You know, I think it's it's a much more small genre today than it has been in the past. That's okay because I think we're still getting really great ones. We still got like last year. We still got like Palm Springs or The Lovebirds. You know, I love those movies. Like those movies were really great, and I think they're fun stories. They're new twists on it because this genre has so many places to go. So I think it, it could be really interesting where where we go from here. So thinking about like the the last thirty years in general, and just like a little bit beyond that, we have such a such a rich history of just so many of these movies. I mean, there have been superstars all stars of this genre i mean there's there's this genre just is lit so lived in and there's so many great people who have worked within this genre and i just wanted to go through real quick and just see if there's any um all stars that you think of the romantic comedy genre i mean it's such a great genre and just there are some people who just this is what they do this is their bread and butter i mean we already talked about julia roberts being basically the patron saint of the romantic comedy she is like one of the founders and of the modern romantic comedy and just ultimately the the go-to person. If you're talking about a 90s romantic comedy, you're putting Julia Roberts in it. Beyond Julia Roberts, who else who else you guys got on your uh, all-star all-star team for rom-coms? I the first person that came to mind was Richard Gere. He uh, you I mean Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride, Shall We Dance. That was the uh, that was him. I'm like him and it's surprisingly it's it surprised it surprised me that a guy was the first person that came to mind <laughs> after we just had a discussion yeah. that rom coms were labeled as chick flicks at one point. Yeah. But he was in all those movies. Richard Gere was like the leading man in the nineties in every single rom com out there. Well, it makes sense, right? Let's think about those earliest rom coms. And you're saying Richard Gere was the first person who came to mind. You're a gay man. And as a straight woman, it makes sense that exactly. Richard Gere was the first person you <laughs> thought of. Because I think that given all of the different movies that he was in, you know, starting with Pretty Woman and having, you know, Runaway Bride and, oh, what was, um, Autumn in New York. Autumn in New York, yep. Right, we, he was a wonderful leading man. Mm-hmm. So that makes total sense. I think for me, when you ask about the rom-com all-stars, the very first person that came to mind for me wasn't an actor or an actress. It's Nancy Myers for me. Mm, yeah, for sure. Right? So you have Nancy Myers kicking off her career in 1980 with Private Benjamin. Oh, Great film. Doesn't so fall within our 30-year range. But then throughout the 90s, she's kicking out some of the biggest rom-coms that we had, right? With Father of the Bride, Father of the Bride Part 2. We had that like fun little Father of the Bride Part 3 online recently, but she's also the woman behind The Parent Trap, What Women Want, Something's Gotta Give, The Holiday, It's Complicated, The Intern. All of those hit every single trope of a rom-com while also telling newer stories with movies like Something's Gotta Give, It's Complicated, and The Intern. It's what happens to that over 50 crowd and 
even though I'm not part of that demographic, those stories totally work for me and I've got to see them. I mean, right there. I mean, one of the, one of them in there, uh, just, I mean, you mentioned the holiday. That's, that's seriously one of my favorite. That's one of our favorite, uh, movies we watch every year at, around Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's still so good. Just like weaving together so many great stories. And like, that has some of the best chemistry, I think, between people on screen. I mean, just, just Jude Law and, uh, um, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> here I am sitting about how much I love this movie, but I couldn't, I, I was, getting, I was fumbling over Cameron Diaz's name. Well, and I think to bounce back for a second, you know, a little while ago, we were talking about Jack Nicholson as a lead in a rom-com, which mm-hmm. at the time in 97 felt like an absurdity. And then he was in Something's Gotta Give with another you can oh. argue Diane Keaton is another rom-com veteran, having been in Annie Hall. Annie Hall, yep. Father of the Bride. Again, we have a woman helping to elevate Jack Nicholson. So I think ultimately we can say Jack Nicholson really needs a solid or, supporting cast in a rom-com. Or or also or also looking back to looking back today and seeing Mel Gibson as the star of a rom-com. What women super- want. Uh. <laughs> By the way, I love that movie. I think Helen. Oh, it's it's I fun. Love, I, I, it's fun, and I love Helen Hunt. So. It's 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 really fun. It's interesting, but like it's just funny to look back and see Mel Gibson in this in this role, like where he was as like the super A lister that he was at the time, and oh. just being like, "What were we doing? What were we doing?" Yeah, it's fair. It, it, and I I just wanted to mention Nancy Meyer has given me one of my favorite rom coms, which is it's complicated because mm-hmm. obviously you guys know me, you know I'm a Meryl stan, um, but I love it because like Kayla said, it's fun seeing stories of people of a certain age that people don't think will sell, and that movie made over two hundred and twenty million dollars, and I do think the chemistry between her, Alec Baldwin, and um, Steve, Steve Martin. Martin is amazing. So yeah. you know Nancy Meyer's. Love her. Give us more stuff. Yeah. She's my rom-com all-star. Do you have anyone else, Gabe, on your list of all-stars? Just quickly mentioning J-Lo. She did basically every single rom-com in the 2000s. Um, Reese Witherspoon and Renee Selwager were the other people. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, And and I wanted to quickly, quickly, very quickly mention, that's what I meant um, when I said earlier how rom-coms were started starting to be thought of something different. Reese, um, Renee Selwager started, did Bridget Jones Diary. She got an Oscar nomination for that. You mm. know, it's that very rare Oscar nod for a rom-com performance or a rom-com movie. So there are these blurred lines of like rom-com was starting or sometimes is seen as more elevated art. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the movies on my list won an Oscar. So we'll talk about that. Uh, but uh, I just said I had two other people on my list. Uh, I, I had Hugh Grant. I mean, I don't know if a 90s movie could get, if you could build a, a rom-com leading, like supporting male, it's Hugh Grant. He's adorable. He's got a British accent and he's like just clumsy, but beautiful at the same time. And he starred in so many movies like Four Weddings and a Funeral, um, Nine Months, Bridget Jones Diary, Two Weeks Notice music and lyrics and, and love actually. I mean, he plays the prime minister in love actually. So it's like the peak of how much power you can have as, as a role. I mean, he's, he's just so, he's so perfect in this genre for his awkwardness. And also, I mean, who doesn't love a guy with a British accent? I mean, I think that just, that just seals it. So, I mean, he, he's fantastic. Another one that I, I was when going over this list that I saw that I just was a little bit surprised by and forgot about 
is Ashton Kutcher. You might forget about Ashton Kutcher because he doesn't do much recently. He was in nine rom-coms from 03 to 2011. He was in Just Married, My Boss's Daughter, Guess Who, A Lot Like Love, What Happens in Vegas, Valentine's Day, Killers, No Strings Attached, and New Year's Eve. He is just churning out a movie every single year of in this genre and really just doing very well. He's perfect. He's pretty good looking. He's funny. He's got good chemistry with almost anybody else that he's on the screen with. He just really did a great job in here. And I think he he's like one of those people that just deserves to be mentioned in this in this conversation. Is he a Hall of Famer in the in the genre? Not yet, but I mean he certainly is in the conversation. I mean, and he definitely had a fan base because of punked. So yeah. I think also worth mentioning, you know, you're giving us that list of movies that Ashton was in. And if you're going to half of those movies, not exactly half, math isn't my strong suit, but out of a lot of those, Gary Marshall was the man behind a lot of those. So we need to give a nod to Gary Marshall because he gave us Pretty Woman. He was Beaches, Runaway Bride, all of the Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, New Year's Eve, all of those day movies, <laughs> and The Princess Diaries, which really launched the career of Anne Hathaway. Yep. So there's another rom-com, rom-com king for us, except yeah. behind the camera. Yeah, and it also revived the career of the the, the struggling Julie Andrews, right? I, yeah. She was struggling. She did disappear part. for a while. Yeah, she did. Nobody remembered her. Everybody remembers her. She's stunning and fantastic. And so is that movie. I love Princess Diaries. It's like one of my guilty pleasures. I love that movie. I don't know what it is. We're getting a third part, so. Oh, yes. Is Julie Andrews coming back? I think I think all of them are coming back. I think yes. Anne, Chris, and Julie Andrews are coming back. Yep. Oh, God. Oh, it'll be good. It'll be good. That's, so that's fantastic. For it. So coming up, we're going to be talking about our, our favorite five, our top fives for this genre. But first, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. So we're moving on to talk about our list of top fives. Now, these are in no particular order of our top five favorite rom-coms of the last 30 years. We decided to cut it off at 30 years. We didn't want to go too far back, but this does eliminate some pretty good movies right on the cusp here. I mean, when Harry Met Sally, that's 88. Uh, nine, uh, in 1990, we get Pretty Woman. So so these couple movies are, are just barely cut off. They just barely missed our cut but we're keeping it close. We're keeping it in the last 30 years. So we have five movies each. Uh, we're going to go around, share one, share them one at a time. And these are in no particular order. I think we've all saved our favorite favorite for the last, but uh, beyond that, they're in no particular order. So uh, Kayla, you're the guest. Why don't you start us off? Sweet. So my first movie to talk about is a movie called What If? Um, that's the title for an American audience. Originally, it was titled The F Word. It premiered in 2013 at Toronto Film Festival, came out everywhere else in 2014. Um, it is a movie starring Daniel Radcliffe in his very first contemporary aged film, if we don't count Harry Potter, uh, Zoe Kazan, Adam Driver, Mackenzie Davis, and Rafe Spall. So it's set in Toronto and it's about two best friends who start having feelings for one another while one of them is attached to a serious long-term significant other. And so obviously it's pulling on that trope of rom-coms, the two best friends falling in love, pulling from When Harry Met Sally a little bit, but for me, what's great about it and one of 
why it's one of my favorite films and needed to be included was at the time it came out, it was the, it was telling the story of some 20 somethings who were trying to figure out what are they doing with their careers? What are they doing in their love lives? How are they dealing with friends and adulthood? And at the time it was just an incredibly accessible and relatable movie. Yeah, I got I, I I remember seeing this and just loving the fact that you know you could see Harry Potter as someone else. <laughs> I, I really do like Daniel Radcliffe. I think he's really great. And he plays a normal guy, someone who's just like totally normal. I think that's one of the things in, in the genre that I, I do tend to like when they have just a normal person being in an awkward situation and a situation that's really lived in and something that people really actually face as opposed to some of these more fantastical things that come up yeah he's a guy who got burned in his last relationship and isn't sure how to tackle the next one which Mm. i think is so relatable Mm -hmm. for just about anybody who's ever been dumped so if you are interested in seeing what if i highly highly recommend it especially if you want to see daniel radcliffe aka harry potter in a different kind of role Uh, what if is streaming on amazon prime no free ads but uh, so with that, Gabe, what do you got? What's one? Your, what's your first one off your list? You're muted. It's a movie that came out in 2009 um, called The Proposal. It's with Sandra <laughs> Bullock, um, Ryan Reynolds, Craig T. Nelson, Mary Steenberger, Betty White. Um, yes. It was a surprise hit. It made over $300 million. This is the year she won the Oscar. I feel this movie helped her win the Oscar for that movie that we shall not mention. Um, it's a movie about a Canadian, Canadian executive who is threatened to be deported. She's facing deportation and she convinces her assistant to, to, to act as her fiance in order for her to be able to stay in the country. Um, I think it's a great movie. I love it. I love the chemistry between both of them. And I love me a woman in a power suit who can just control and dominate me because I am in the camp that I think women should control the world. So I love that. And Amen. Yes. And I, that's one of the main reasons. And it was also the era where Betty White found resurgence when she hosted yeah. SNL and she was doing everything again and she started hot in Cleveland and seeing her, she's such a scene stealer in this movie, that scene where she's like with the get up and in the fire in the woods doing her dance. is just so charming, so adorable. Protect Betty White at all costs. Let's get her to hundred next year. Um, this is just a good movie. I, I, I think Sandra Bullock is at her element when she's in comedy. Uh, yeah. I know people are hit and miss with her. I like her. Um, but again, I love her in comedies. This is her genre. I think she's really good in them. And Ryan Reynolds is one of those people, um, like Bradley Cooper and others that has chemistry with everybody and their chemistry is really, really good. And I think the story is really well put together. And I love that we see her going from this just hard, tough executive woman, which she does not leave by the end, which is what I like. She's still that person, but she softens up and becomes just a more awesome, cool woman in in, in their life. And I love, again, people of a certain age. And I love that Mary Steenberger, Craig T. Nelson and Betty White are in this movie. So it's a great, great movie. I love it. And it's available nowhere right now in streaming, Uh, (laughs) but it's super fun. If you haven't checked it out, definitely do. I mean, I love what I think is kind of funny in it is the fact that like Ryan Reynolds is the American and Sandra Bullock is the Canadian and how in real life that's actually the opposite. The opposite. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> always, always good. That one definitely. I remember. I remember seeing that one in theaters. It was it was huge, absolutely massive. Uh, my first, my the first one I have on my list is from 2017, and it's The Big Sick. This is the this is the movie, uh, the, the real life story basically of this of Kumal Nanjiani and his wife Emily Gordon, who together wrote this story about their life, uh, where it has it's it's starring Kumal Nanjiani as himself and he basically it, it's his story of them where he meets his future wife uh emily at this at grad school they fall in love but the problem is there's a little bit of there's a mysterious illness that is affecting her and they don't really know what it is and she gets she ends up being hospitalized and then there's a cultural conflict con clash between the two families between him and his girlfriend's family and they don't really get along and it's through this tough, tough moment that they sort of come together. And Kumail uh, really is really, really good in this movie. I think he's great. I think the script is great. Again, we were talking about movies nominated. This was actually nominated for Best Original Screenplay in 2018 at the Oscars. I mean, it was it was a great surprise one. I mean, it also had the, the, the performances are great. The story's touching and fun. Uh, you know, you get some real great people in the, in the comedy world and Holly Hunter and Ray Romano to help support. Um, and it's, it's really, really funny. I, I loved it. It was the most successful independent film of 2017 only cost $5 million to make yet made over $56 million. So one of those small success stories that they had, and it actually at the time in 2017, it premiered at Sundance and was one of the largest sums paid for a movie Amazon bought the distribution rights to distribute it actually in theaters, something that, you know, Amazon doesn't do anymore, but they were distributing it in theaters. And it was one of the highest, it was one of the most costly. It cost $12 million when they bought it from them. Uh, and I, I just love it. I thought it was, it was a fun movie. It was heartfelt. It's something that really was a rough subject and tough, but a real story and something that was just really from the heart. And you could feel all the beats were great. The comedy was really great. Even though if it's like sort of somber, it just really did uh, hit in the right way. That's a good, that's a really, really good one. Um, I, I, it is also streaming on Amazon Prime if you're interested. So you could certainly check that out. Um, Kayla, what do you have for yours? So my next one, which unfortunately is not streaming anywhere. It was on HBO for a hot second, but no longer. Uh, came out in 2019. It's called Long Shot, starring Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron, which, like the title, does not immediately seem likely for there to be any sort of romance between Seth Rogen and someone as beautiful and perfect as Charlize Theron. Um, the story is a, about a journalist who reunites with his former babysitter who just happens to be the Secretary of State. Um, it has a supporting cast of O'Shea Jackson, Andy Serkis, and Alexander Skarsgård, another tall and basically flawless human being. Except, um, except in this movie when he plays the he weirdest plays, Canadian prime minister you've ever seen in your life. Absolutely. Doesn't shine a light to their current prime minister. Um, but for me, I just, I think the story is hilarious. I think that Seth Rogen is honestly a very underrated rom-com star. Um, this is not one of the movies that he wrote and produced with his frequent partner, Evan Goldberg. But I think that the story it's just, it's fun. And the performances are phenomenal. Their chemistry is 
really believable and just overall a pleasant, pleasant film to watch. Yeah, I remember seeing this and it was a really big surprise. And, and to me, one of the things I think that's really interesting about it was it's one of the last film releases of like a rom-com that really was at all sort of in a successful wheelhouse. They don't really make a lot of studio comedies mm-hmm. anymore. And this is one of the last ones that I, I can remember. I mean, I, I remember seeing it in, and it, it, it is, it's really surprisingly good. I liked it. I liked it. And I love the, the unlikely pairing of Seth Rogen and Charlie's Throne. I think that's just so unexpected. Um, so I really, I really enjoyed it. I would, that's a nice rewatch. That's something I would rewatch for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It just works. Gabe, what do you got next? What's your second? So speaking about, we earlier talked, earlier we talked about rom-com Titans and talking about Titans, I can't, I have to mention Nora Ephron who gave us things like When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle, Julie and Julia, and gave us what I'm about to mention, which is, which is You've Got Mail. You Got Mail was released in 1998. It stars Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. And it's this story about two business rivals who start this online AOL email. For those of you who are of a certain age, remember AOL and emails. Um, this relationship, and they start falling in love without knowing that they're business rivals, which is really fun. Um, it stars, obviously, like I said, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, with actors like Parker Posey, who I love. She's an independent star, and I love her. Gene Stapleton, which we all know from All in the Family, Dave Chappelle, Stephen Sangra, Kinnear, and others. Um, it's, it's, I think it's a staple of rom-coms, a staple of the 90s. It's, the, it's that chemistry between Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan that for me really delivers in the end. They are so charming. People forget, people have this idea that Tom Hanks is this serious, dramatic actor, which he is, but people forget that he gave us so, so many amazing rom-coms and comedies like Big and You've Got Mail and many others. I love this movie. Again, a staple of the 90s, a staple of this genre for me. And it's just, I love seeing it because it's just a such a throwback for the 90s and every time I see the you've got male thing I'm like oh wow I grew up in that era so it just takes me back I am also a huge fan obviously of Nora Ephron but also of this film and it was really wonderful to see Tom Hanks and oh my gosh Meg Ryan Ryan. (laughs) be reunited in another Mm rom-com um and I also think that the movie did a wonderful job of capturing the essence of the Upper West Side of New York in a way that I don't think many other films do. One other thing I think is really funny about this movie (coughs) is just to watch it in retrospect, just watching the idea of like emails in the you've got mail and all that stuff. Like it's it's funny. Also the the, uh, concept of these people being very wealthy from owning bookstores, you know that both of those bookstores are out of business today. Those are now Apple stores. Those are you Amazon. Know, they're, they're Amazon, they're Amazon fronts. Right yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what they are. They're not, they're not in business anymore. They're, they're, they're Amazon lockers. That's what they are today. Exactly. Exactly. My, so moving on to, to my, my, my next movie is very different from the other ones you guys are talking about. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies. And uh, it's, it's one of the movies that my, I know I've seen a bunch and my sister loves as well. Uh, it's 2009's I Love You, Man. It is the, different take on the romantic comedy because it's the bromantic comedy. And it's one of the first that really completely breaks the genre. And, and I, I absolutely love it. It's where you get uh, Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel just, just 
loving it up. They're having so much fun in this movie, improving most of the movie. It's it's so good. Uh, you get the the premise is just hilarious. You got a guy in his thirties slash forties. I don't we don't know how old he is necessarily, and he finds out he doesn't have any friends. He needs a best man and doesn't have any friends. So he's like, how do you make friends at thirty? And it's a real thing. Like, I don't know how to make friends at 30 something. I'm in, I'm a 30 something. We're, we're all 30 somethings. We realize we don't really know how to make friends anymore. And he's just trying to find a best man for his wedding. Falls, find, finds this guy who is just this weird dude who's hanging out in bungalows and Venice beach. And they become best friends. And it starts to put a strain on his relationship with his fiance. But man, is this movie good? I love this movie. I, I've quoted it a million times. Um, it's just, it's so funny. I mean, Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel are just are run, running off each other, having so much fun. The supporting cast is incredible. You have, you know, Rashida Jones, Andy Samberg, Aziz Ansari's in it for a minute. You get Lou Ferrigno showing up and delivering a huge performance. <laughs> I, I loved this movie. I mean, even people like J.K. Simmons is in it. Tom, Tom Thomas Lennon is in it. Nick Kroll. John Favreau is in this movie for a hot second. This came out the same year that Iron Man came out. Came out and he yeah. didn't know where his career was going at that point, but like he's in this movie. Uh, and I think that of all of the movies that we have, this has one of the most classic meet cutes you can possibly have in a movie. Uh, you know, where the characters meet up for the very first time. It's where, I mean, it, it's such a classic idea. There's a real, real estate salesman who's selling a house. He's holding an open house. And then a guest comes in and the person he falls in love with is it kind of in there, walks into the open house. I mean, it's such a classic story uh, within the, the the genre. And it's so funny too, because it's just two dudes who are being friends and they're best friends. And it's like a, it's such a funny way to put it in there. It, it, it hits all of the different things that you want in a rom-com, but with platonic best friends. And it's fantastic. I just think, I just think it's so funny. And it has like some just really funny quotes and awkwardness, whether it's like, uh, calling him Jobin at one point he calls he's trying to make up a nickname for his friend and he like Paul Rudd calls him Jobin or like just doesn't know how to talk on the phone because he's nervous and it's just really really funny um I love it absolutely love this movie I don't know what you guys thought of it but like I, I was huge huge for me in 2009 I saw it I have to go back to it I haven't seen it I saw it once so it'd be it'd be interesting to see what I think about it now. But I think I, from what I remember, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I think obviously I was not the target audience <laughs> for the movie, and so the first time that I saw it was probably around the time that it came out. So I was like twenty one, and originally I didn't get it. There, it, the movie really did nothing for me. But as I've gotten older, I've seen it again. And there's definitely something to it. I think that it, like you were saying, it really captures that essence of, you know, being in your thirties and not really knowing how to forge new platonic friendships. Like how, how do you do that? And I, the movie does a nice job of portraying that relationship. And it's also just fun. And it's just funny. I just, I love that, that way and that, that style of humor at that time. Kayla, what's next on our list? My next one came out in late fall of 2013. It is called About Time, and it was written and directed by rom-com powerhouse Richard Curtis. Um, he is also the man who was behind Four Weddings and a Funeral, 
the Bridget Jones movies, Love Actually, and more recently, the movie Yesterday. So this guy has a long history of totally killing it with the rom-com. Um, it is a it is a film to answer the question. And Richard Curtis had said this in an interview. He was sitting around wondering, how do you achieve happiness in an ordinary life? And I think that this movie does a beautiful job of highlighting just finding joy and beauty in an average, in an average life. Um, they also features some time traveling, just to spice it up a little bit, but not in a sci-fi sort of way, just in a sim simple, very matter of fact way. Uh, it stars uh, Irish actor Donald Gleason and Rachel McAdams, also with Bill Nighy, Tom Hollander, Margot Robbie, and Vanessa Kirby in really early roles for both of them. So both of those ladies would go on to star in some pretty big projects. Um, but for me, I find... I find Donald Gleason to be endlessly charming. Obviously, I have a soft spot for gingers, but I just really appreciate finding those tiny and beautiful, quiet moments of joy in a simple life. And their love story just, while it's nothing flashy, it's nothing glamorous, I think what that's what keeps it so much more real and why it holds such a sentimental place in my heart. Yeah. It's definitely got some like funny beats in it. I mean, the awkwardness, mm. there's a lot of awkward comedy and making sure you do things right. And it, it's he, Donald Gleason is, is really good in it. He, he's really, really charming in this. He, yes, I, I loved, I actually love this movie. And I think even with the time stuff, um, this is a movie that shows you that less is more. I'm with you. I think the the quiet moments are the best part of the movie. And I am with you both. Donald Gleeson deserves more than what he's getting. I think he's very underrated. He is super, super charming. Um, and I wish he got more opportunities at the one he does. But it's a lovely movie. I was really surprised when I saw it. I really enjoyed it. I think one of the last things that I really appreciate about it is it features a Ben Folds song. It's called The Luckiest that I really think is the perfect complement to the overall goals of this film just appreciating how lucky you are in the life that you have hmm. and that's also right now on netflix i think yes right, that one's on netflix. currently streaming on netflix yeah so definitely check that one out it's a good one that's a good uh it's it's sappy I think that one's a little bit more sappy than some of the other ones. I mean, you're not going to, oh, yeah. yeah, it's, you, you, you could definitely shed a tear during that one. It's like, it's a good one though. It's a good. Yeah. Gabe, what do you got as number your third one on our list here? Listen, the third one is a third one on my list is a movie that made me fall in love with a now Academy Award winning actress. And it's easy. A um, easy. A came out in 2010 is loosely inspired on the Scarlet letter by Hawthorne. And it just threw Emma Stone into the stratosphere as a big star. She had started before in Zombieland um, and Superbad, but I think this is the movie that really showcased her talents and where she was going. And like, this girl is in 
for an amazing career. It also stars, spoiler, the Gossip Girl, Penn Batchley, Amanda Weiss, Kayla gets that reference because I know she's seen this, um, Patricia Clarkson, Cam um, Giga Dent, and one of my favorite actors, Stanley Tucci, who is perfect in everything that he does. I think the relationship, the, their whole family dynamics in the movie is so good when they're like- what. Who told you? I'm adopted. <laughs> it's so good. Stanley Tucci is just perfection. Um, this movie is just, I think it's hilarious. I think it, as an English teacher, uh, it gives you a great way to teach the Scarlet Letter. But talking about the movie, it's just so funny, so endearing. Amanda Bynes is great as the religious, just crazy teenage girl. Um, I... I love her and I hope she, she has a good life, but I think she's so good. And Emma Stone just delivers in this movie. Mm. Her comedic timing is amazing. Her sexiness, because she she is, um, she's a, she's a different type of beauty for me. And I think she's gorgeous and beautiful, but she's not your standard like beauty A-lister star. And I love her and it's just a fun, fun movie and that ending with the nod to 80s rom-com with the radio and the music I'm here for um, it's available on Netflix I think until the end of the month so you have time to see it um, and if you haven't go watch it I just think it's a fun fun movie it's a great choice yeah absolutely great choice there's so many things about it that work not only is it a good adaptation or spin off of Scarlet Letter but it hits all of the right notes for a teen mm -hmm. rom-com for me. And of course, Emma Stone is phenomenal. Oh, all yeah. Things. Yeah. She's great. She's, she's, uh, she's a keeper for sure. More power, more power to faux gingers than anything else. <laughs> she's not actually ginger. Just want to throw that out there, but I'll give her the credit for, for acting like it. You, you, you adopt her, <laughs> you adopt her in your camp. We've adopted her. We've adopted her. Yeah. We, we've taken her in as the, as our, our ginger fam club and we need, we need more people. There aren't many of them. Well, one of the people who, uh, one of the famous gingers is in, is in my next movie. One that might not be as much thought of, uh, but my next movie is from 2008. It's definitely maybe, uh, I love this movie. It's, it's really such an interesting movie to me. I don't know. I don't know why it just hits so, so well for me. I just think it's such an adorable movie. Uh, it's got some of the things that you want in, in romantic comedies. It has heartbreak. It has heartbreak multiple times. It's got an adorable young kid. Um, this is the movie with, if you don't, if you don't know, uh, it stars Ryan Reynolds, uh, who is basically telling the story of his soon to be, wife ex-wife uh to and, and his past relationships to his 11 year old daughter who's played by abigail breslin and <clears throat> this stars uh rachel weiss elizabeth banks and the person in our uh ginger fan club uh isla fisher so she she's there she's there for us she's uh she's great in it i mean they they're it's such a fun movie it's it's adorable there there's heartbreak there's real like emo-ness in the movie i don't know there's a great like bit of like just really good emotion throughout the movie. Um, and it's got flashbacks, multiple heartbreaks, multiple relationships, different stories. And it, it gives you a little bit of guessing sort of in the movie. You don't know where it's going. You don't know who he's going to end up with. You don't know where the story is going to go. And it, it, it's just delightful. It's just simply delightful. That's one thing that I really liked about it. The first time I saw it, I had no idea how it was going to end and you know because the majority of the movie is a very traditional rom-com you hold out this hope that everything 
is going to be okay in the end. Um, it keeps you guessing. You don't know how his love life is going to really unfold throughout the throughout the film. So if you haven't seen it yet, not sure how it slipped by. <laughs> yeah, it's on Peacock right now. So you can st- certainly check it out there. He's just so charming. I think Brian Reynolds is so charming in everything that he does. And I think I my favorite thing is the, the take on the relationship with the daughter and the way that he's telling all these stories to his daughter. I think that was just... Yeah. Um, so fun and like we said before rom-coms peak was 90s and early 2000s and this movie is set in the 90s even though it was released in 2008 so another nod to when rom-coms were in their heyday in the 90s yeah that's kind of funny too it's so it's such a funny thing like especially when he's like who is this and they're listening to nirvana and it's like (laughs) obviously that's nirvana he's like oh i I like this and he just seems so awkward but (laughs) it's great (laughs) Ryan Reynolds is fantastic. I think nobody nobody's going to be surprised by hearing that. I love Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> okay, what do you got next on your list? Um, so playing off of the 90s nostalgia factor, uh, my next movie is 2019's Always Be My Maybe. Phenomenal film. Um, currently on Netflix. It is a Netflix movie. Uh, it was. It's starring Randall Park and Ali Wong, also written by... Randall Park, Ali Wong, um, and their friend Michael Golamko, whose last name I am probably butchering. Uh, but Ali Wong has, in interviews, said that for years she and Randall Park wanted to produce their version of When Harry Met Sally. So that's exactly what it is. It's a story about two childhood friends who lost touch after high school and how they reunite and start actually acting on the feelings that they apparently had for each other for years. So for me, it absolutely captures what it was like to be a kid in the 90s, living in the Bay Area, definitely before it blew up with all of the tech companies. Um, But it hits all the right tropes of a rom-com without any of those really annoying bits of rom-coms. Supporting cast... You have Michelle Buteau, you have Daniel Day Kim looking absolutely flawless at the age of 50 from two years ago, looking really good. But for me, what really hits home with this movie is the Asian American representation. And again, not in a token way. It just features their lives in these characters in in realistic ways. So we have Randall Park, who's Korean American, Ali Wong, who's Vietnamese and Chinese American. Their co-writer is Filipino American. Their director is an Iranian American woman. And just to see this Asian love story not set in Asia just is a wonderful film for me. We rewatched it yesterday. And it holds up. It was probably the fifth or sixth time I've seen this movie and I don't get tired of it. I I love this movie. I think I've seen it like four times and I think I've seen it twice with you guys, maybe. Probably. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I love it. I love it. I think they work so well out of, from each other. They're great. And I am a huge fan of Michelle Buteau. She is a scene sealer every time she's on screen. Um, but it's just a fun fun movie and like you say Kayla they give you this representation without the tokenism that they could easily have fallen into it and I think it's just so good and it's funny and Keanu Reeves come on 
Oh yeah. I mean, there's this great, there's just a great cameo in there uh, that if you haven't seen, just, you got to check it out to just see it. Uh, but I also love one of the things I love in this movie is I think Randall Park is, is just hilarious and his music, the songs that he's singing uh, are just absolutely funny. I mean, his, his, his band is fantastic and it's so clever, so smart. And uh, I know in, in doing like some of the research, he actually was in a band like this back in, back when he was in the nineties living in the area, he was in a band just like that. So I'm yeah. like, so all of, of the music, it, yeah. it's written by him, performed by him. Um, one of his, one of his songs is in reference to something that happens in the film. Keanu Reeves had a hand in helping to write that particular song. Um, this movie is honestly, it's flawless from start to finish. I wouldn't change a single thing about it. I love it, which is why not that we were particularly ranking these films, but mm -hmm. if we were, this is top two favorite rom-coms of all time <laughs> for me. G Gabe, what's your, what's your number two on this? What's your, what's your, uh, your, your fourth film so far? My fourth film is a surprise hit for me. I went in having no expectations for this movie. It came out in 2011 and it's crazy, stupid love. I, love this movie i was not expecting this movie when it came out to be as just good and fun and engage as engaging as it was it has a hell of a cast with steve carell ryan gosling julianne moore emma stone marissa tomei kevin bacon who i love um and it tells this story about a man you know um having issues with his relationship um divorcing his wife and his wife had an affair with a co-worker um and then it just becomes even more layered when we find out that Emma Stone is, spoiler, his daughter and is dating someone. And it's just so much fun. It, it's just so charming. I love Steve Carell. I'm a huge fan of Steve Carell. Um, I love what he does. The chemistry between Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling is top notch. Oh, yeah. Definitely top 100%. That is, that is some like sexy like chemistry right there i mean ryan gosling i mean the line the line that emma stone delivers is fantastic when he takes off his shirt <laughs> and she goes you're photoshopped this isn't even fair it's so good and uh, so it's good so good and yeah i love it i think it was a surprise surprise a charming surprise surprise hit i loved it it's so good and i've watched it many 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 times over I think this is the movie that made me fall in love with Ryan Gosling. I love Ryan Gosling. I don't know why. I'm just a huge fan. Mm -hmm. But just the scene, the scene when he's talking with Steve Carell and they're going on the shopping. I love a good makeover scene. I'm always a big fan <laughs> of a makeover scene. And the scene when they go through the mall and and then he just delivers this line to to uh, to Steve Carell. Steve Carell is like looking to get new pants. He's like, but they're from the Gap. And, and Ryan Reynolds just stops him in his tracks, holds his hands on his face and says, be better than the gap. Just be better than the gap. And I take that with me. I think, I mean, I'm not better than the gap. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not, but like, just be better than the gap. And it was just, it's so funny. He's, he is in his element and crushing it in this movie. I, I, I agree. This is, this, this was almost, this barely missed my cut on mine. It was so, so good. I was devastated when I couldn't include it in my list. It just very barely made the cut and in all honesty if either of you didn't include it I was gonna cut one of mine to make sure that it could be included in our rundown because I just it's so wonderful and it kind of goes back to things that we were talking about earlier is being able to see 
love at various stages of life Mm -hmm. is a really great thing. And although the story of the, of the young kid falling in love with his babysitter, maybe that doesn't age so well, but the rest of it, it's, it's phenomenal. It shows Mm -hmm. what it's like to have your first love and what it's like to find your person accidentally. Right. And then what do you do when you've been married for 25 years and you need to kind of figure out what your relationship is going to look like moving forward. I just, I think that crazy, stupid love, it lives up to its title. And I love, I love the opening scene. I'm such, such a sucker for any scene that has somebody jumping out of a car. I love, (laughs) and I love that opening scene in the restaurant in the car. It's just so, so funny. And surprising Julianne Moore has great chemistry with Steve Carell. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved her in it. She's not known as a comedic actress or as a rom-com actress. And I really love what she did in that movie for sure. She's definitely yeah. more the most dramatic out of all those characters, but she blends in really well with everybody else. Well, if you want to talk perfection. about, if you want to talk about most dramatic, probably if we're talking about like, like overly, overly, overly dramatic, Marissa Tomei is probably the most dramatic. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that like five minute stretch that she's in is just, it's just power it's so hilarious great performance from (laughs) speaking of great performances by people who are in a movie not so much my 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 next movie is 1996 jerry Maguire. i mean what a movie this is a fantastic movie i i'm a huge fan of this and it's so great i mean the fact that you get you get tom cruise at what is one of his peaks one of his many many peaks tom cruise starring in a rom-com where he's playing Jerry Maguire, who's a sports agent who basically gets fired after having this moral epiphany that he's about what they're doing uh, and deciding to put his new philosophy to the test and become independent and then figures out that he loses all of his clients except for one who is uh, NFL superstar Rod Tidwell played by Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, He's the only client he has and he only has one employee who's played by Renee Zellweger who just follows him out when he delivers his uh, speech of like his moral epiphany. She's the only one that walks out with him. Uh, it's such a good movie. I, I love this movie as a rom-com. It's an unexpected rom-com because it's also a sports movie, like very clearly in the sports movie avenue. Uh, and it's it's just, oh man, it, Cameron Crowe directs this. He's also direct, he's known for directing a lot of great movies with uh, good, good parts in it, such as like Say Anything or Almost Famous. This movie was nominated for Best Picture and Original Screenplay. So he's nominated for both of those in this. So this did get that Academy sort of recognition. And even beyond that, the, the best part of the Academy recognition has to be the fact that Cuba Gooding Jr. wins the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor and delivers what has to be one of the best acceptance speeches for an Academy Award in the history of the Academy Awards. If you haven't seen uh, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s Academy Award acceptance speech, go on YouTube right now. It is the best. It is seriously the best one you'll ever see. I mean, it's fitting for his character. Rod Tidwell is such a funny character and so over the top, so massive. Uh, And he delivers what has become ranked. I think AFI was ranking best lines in movies. And he gives him one of the best lines in the movie. Show me the money. Show me the money. And it's so, so good. And and this movie not only has that line, it has other classic lines for for rom-coms that just stick with it. You have, um, you complete me. And then within five seconds of that line, you had me at hello. I mean, it's, it's just like, 
it, it, it is genre defining uh, while also being so strange at the same time, because unfortunately for Tom Cruise, he has zero chemistry with every single person that he's on screen with for every movie, except for like maybe Mission Impossible when he has chemistry with someone who's 40 years older than him. Uh, but that's a different story for a different podcast. Uh, but yeah, Tom Cruise has probably the least amount of chemistry with every single co-star, despite that he's been married to three of his co-stars. Uh, still, zero chemistry. <laughs> and just, just it's so, I, I'm such a fan of this movie. Uh, whether, you know, each each different beat of it is fun. Uh, even the ending when Rod Tidwell is definitely severely, severely concussed and has to go to the hospital, but they don't because it's the 90s and we don't believe in concussions. Um <laughs> It's just, it's, it's a fun movie. I mean, it, it's, it's right up there. It, it's so, so much fun. Love this movie. Absolutely. I, I have nothing to add other than it probably is one of the most quotable rom-coms that we've talked about today. Um, even people who haven't seen the film know those lines, mm-hmm. which is saying something. And again, a great kid performance. Oh, classic, yeah. classic kid performance. So scene stealing, scene stealing kid yes. performance. I have nothing to add. I think it's a great movie. This is not the movie that's made for me. You guys know me. I am not a sports person, and I am definitely not a Tom Cruise fan. But I do like '80s and '90s Tom Cruise, so this I like. You guys said everything. I think it's a great movie. Um, I actually do love this movie a lot, and I do like Tom Cruise in it. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr. This was just the beginning of a star, and then the star burnt down a little bit, but uh, he's still great in it for sure. And Renee, again, Renee Seidwiger, another rom-com. So she's definitely a staple of rom-coms. For sure. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. Moving into our, our favorites of this. I think these are all our, our last round is our favorite movies of the, of the genre. So Kayla, what's your, what's your favorite movie of the, of the last night, 30 years, favorite rom-com of the last 30 years. So this movie was, absolutely set up for success. There was no way that this movie was going to fail. Uh, So I chose 1999's Notting Hill, starring Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant. And with a script written by Richard Curtis, there was no way that this movie was not going to blow up. Um, We have a supporting cast with Hugh Bonneville or the Earl of Grantham, for those of you who haven't seen this movie yet. We have Reese Ifans and a surprise appearance by Alec Baldwin. Uh, it At the time that it came out, it was the highest grossing British film of all time. Oh. It made so much money. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it is the story of this man who lives in Notting Hill, was just left by his wife, owns a travel bookshop, and has a detestable roommate and the most famous movie star in the world happens to stumble into his store. And so begins their on again, off again romance. Um, And again, it comes out of just amusing that Richard Curtis had one night when he couldn't sleep was, I wonder what would happen if I brought the world's most famous movie star to dinner with my friends. Like what would happen? How would they react? And from there we get Honestly, one of my one of my favorite movies of all time. I absolutely love Notting Hill. Again, you have Hugh Grant being charming and clumsy and awkward and nerdy. 
up against a fiery and beautiful Julia Roberts at probably one of her one of her peaks. Yeah, I would say it's it's kind of yeah. funny to think about Julia Roberts doesn't really have to do much of a stretch to be considered to like play the most famous actress in the world in 1999. Because she was the most famous actress in the world in 1999. She was America's so sweetheart. Yeah, not that's not a big stretch for her. So, I mean, of course, this movie is like literally constructed. It's like it's 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 the choose your own rom com. This is the rom com, yeah. and then it also has. I mean, I know I I know uh, Kayla has it in her notes, but like the 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 one of the best lines again from a rom com. You have it. Oh, I didn't write it down. I, I don't you- need to write it down because I know it. <laughs> when Julia Roberts is trying to win back Hugh Grant and she comes in and she just says, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. Like, how do you not lose it at that point? It gets me every time. And so to me, the mark of a good movie is how many times have you seen it? And that thing was streaming on HBO for like a year. And every time it was on, I watched it. It could, you could drop in at any point in the film and I'm watching it until the mm-hmm. very end. It is one of the most rewatchable films. I don't get tired of it. Is it a little derivative of certain aspects of Four Weddings and a Funeral? Yeah, but do I care? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Because it gives you all the right feels and i love it which is why it's my number one rom-com i mean julia julia roberts people forget that julia roberts did have chemistry with basically everybody she was on screen with yeah yeah she's she's fantastic i mean then she goes on and just stars in the oceans movies which has fantastic chemistry with george clooney i mean it's she's she's fantastic there's there's, literally in you said america's sweethearts she was in the movie america's America's sweetheart she's she's fantastic gabe what do you got for your uh favorite your favorite rom-com here my favorite rom-com of the last 30 years is like kayla said a movie that i see every single chance that i get and it's also from 1999 surprisingly so again the 90s and it's 10 things i hate about you yes i love me a good teen comedy but this movie for me just expands on that idea that this is just a teen movie this is a this is loosely based on the taming of shakespeare's taming of the shrew set in the 90s in a high school setting it starts julia styles remember when we tried making her a thing uh heath ledger oh heath ledger um jgl joseph gordon levitt larissa olenik so if you're a nick kid you remember her from things like the secret world of alex mack all that adventures of pete and pete and and, then just a slew of other actors who are phenomenal this movie is great i think this movie is adorable charming it for me, it's aged well. It's been 22 years. You go back to it and you see like the tr- the tropes of teen angst and teen life that are there are still relevant, are still real. It gives us one of the best, for me, monologues that I can just quote the hell out of when she stands in front of the English teacher and does the poem that she writes for Heath Ledger. It's just so heartbreaking. And the way she delivers that monologue is like, Oh, and then the camera pans to Heath's face and I'm like, oh, and it showed that Heath Ledger was, oh, what could have been? He was such a charming comedic actor. The football scene is amazing when he, that musical number that he does is just so good. This is just a great film. It is a phenomenal film from the 90s. 
I think it's aged well. Um, and I just love it. I love this movie. It's available on Disney Plus right now. So if you haven't seen it or you want to revisit it, go for it because it is just top notch. Yeah, it's definitely one of the quintessential 90s movies. And it's it's so, so good. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge fan. It's so funny. Absolutely love this. And like the, the different storylines and and just the, the, the high school awkwardness. It's so good. I, I'm a huge, huge fan. For me, it's Allison Janney as the, <laughs> as the, as the counselor. Yes. Writing her erotic novel that just really polishes this movie off. Oh my god, I completely forgot about that part, but it's so good. It is it's worth so a rewatch. I, I love it. Every t- only Addison Janney can deliver a line to a teenager, keep it in your pants. <laughs> uh, so what a gem. She's fantastic. Oh, CJ. Come on, CJ. <laughs> <laughs> It's a good, and again, just last note, I love me a movie with a kick-ass woman that's in charge and she knows what she wants and she's not taking any BS from everybody, anybody. So mm-hmm. kudos on there that. You go. So my last movie is definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. This is certainly uh, very different from the 90s. Uh, this is 2008's Forgetting Sarah Marshall. This is absolutely one of my favorite movies of all time i've i saw it i think twice in theaters it was one of the one of the dvds that i almost burned out watching so it stars jason siegel Kristen bell mila kunis and russell brand i mean it is an absolute firecracker of just comedy it's so incredibly funny it's written by jason siegel loosely based on something that happened in his life uh it's it talks about uh it's the story of peter bretter who is a musician, a composer for a TV show called Crime Scene, Scene of the Crime, which stars Kristen Bell. And they they go through a breakup, a very sudden breakup that he doesn't know about. And then all of a sudden he needs to get away and tries to like calm himself and recenters himself, get away from Los Angeles and find happiness, goes to Hawaii on vacation. And who happens to be at the same hotel? <laughs> Sarah Marshall, his ex-girlfriend is at the same hotel with her new boyfriend who's played by Russell Brand and who is batting a thousand in this. He is out of control in this movie. It is unbelievably funny. Does he decide to like leave and go to a different hotel? No, he sticks it out and just the awkward hijinks ensue. It is absolutely hilarious. I I love, love, love this movie. Uh, It has so many great cameos from other people, from other other actors, I mean, including Bill Hader, who's in this as his stepbrother. Uh, It has Jonah Hill, who's in there as the waiter, the really, really awkward waiter, who is the biggest fan of Aldous Snow, Russell Brand's character, the biggest fan and really uncomfortable (laughs) to to that point. It's got Paul Rudd playing a surfer dude who doesn't know anything. you know, other people like Jack McBriar or Maria Thayer or Devon uh, McDonald, like just really, really funny cast. The, the, what I, what I, in the, some of the notes I, I saw that it was um, the, the funniest part is like 70% of the, the movie was scripted. The other 30 to 40% were all improv. There was just so many jokes thrown back and forth at each other. So many things that were just like, just, lines that were messed up because they were laughing too hard. They couldn't get through scenes because of the amount of comedy in it. I, I absolutely love this movie. I've seen it a million times. It has one of my favorite lines in any comedy movie ever. When, um, when Jason Siegel's character is checking into the hotel, he doesn't know that uh, his ex-girlfriend's going to be there. And then all of a sudden she comes into the lobby 
and she's like, Peter, what are you doing here? And, you know, there's so many things that you can say, like, you know, oh my gosh, I needed to get away. Um, all these things you can say to get out of it. But instead he turns to her and he says, I came here to murder you, which is the most awkward, funny, hilarious thing you do not say to someone when you see your ex-girlfriend in Hawaii. But it's, it's so funny. And I just, I love this movie. There's so much about it that is just so unbelievably funny. Um, I mean, the fact that Jason Siegel is writing a, his character is writing a Dracula musical, which he thinks is supposed to be serious. And then he does a song, a song from it, the karaoke scene at the bar when Mila Kunis tries to, forces him to go up there and sing his song. And he starts singing this Dracula musical song. And it's, it's just, it is completely unexpected. I remember when it happened, I fell out of my chair laughing. It was unbelievably funny. Um, and one final note, even in the end, I, I found this out in my research on this movie, the, 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 they do the puppet show in the end of the Dracula musical. And it's all the puppets are done through the Jim Henson creature studio. They're all done. They're all real from the Jim Henson creature studio. And what's funny is because Jason Siegel goes on later to star in the Muppets and like writes that and stars in the Muppets later on with all the Jim Henson creature studio and everything. So I just, I love this movie. I, it's, it's one of my all time favorites. Uh, it's it's only streaming on Peacock right now, but it, it is it is unbelievably good. I highly highly recommend it. Man, I just I think Jason Siegel is a fantastic lead in a rom com. Hmm. I find him to he the way he's able to deliver a line doesn't ever fail to make me laugh. Yeah, ever, and I find forgetting Sarah Marshall to be incredibly rewatchable because Mila Kunis is also gorgeous. Bill Hader is one of my favorite comedic actors. Paul Rudd, who doesn't get tired of Paul Rudd. It's it's really good. I love it. I, I had never seen it. I don't know if you guys remember. I had never seen it. And I saw it for the first time with you guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And I, and I was like, oh, this is actually really good. <laughs> wow, so I got to the movie like eight years later, but I'm like, this is really good. And like you yeah. say, Kayla, I think he's just so charming. He's really, really charming. I would totally fall for him if we met under different circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Such a big fan. Um, So, but there, there were, you know, this was a tough task for us. I mean, trying to narrow it down to just five movies was really tough. So I know we all had some honorable mentions on there. If we just want to quickly run through them and then uh, we'll probably wrap it up. But uh, okay. What are some, what are some on your list? Just real quick. So, I mean, I already mentioned my first honorable mention earlier in the pod um, to all the boys I left before. I am thinking about them holistically. I'm lumping all of them together. I haven't seen the third one, which comes out today, February 12th. Um, So that is on, on my list of things to do for today is to see the final installment. Um, But again, I loved all the boys I left before. Um, Also, something's got to give. We had talked about that. So I feel like it got its moment in the spotlight. But my last one was Trainwreck. I think that Trainwreck is incredibly underrated. So good. LeBron James in his (laughs) glory. Yes. And again, like I said, I I just love a good Bill Hader. I just, I just... I just love the LeBron's cheap thing. I love the thing when they're trying to split the checks and Bill Hader's like, no, you're LeBron James. You're paying for the checks. Like, no, no, but, but we're splitting it. No, no, you're LeBron James. You're paying for the check. I love it. LeBron's great. Gabe, so, what do you got for your, what do you got for your honor? Um, I have a couple more than Kayla does, but I'll go really quickly with, through them. Um, love Simon, the thing um, about Harry, 51st dates, sweet home, Alabama, 
you again, Wedding Planner, and a 90s movie that I think Kayla's really going to love. It's Renee Silwiger and Chris O'Donnell, The Bachelor. Oh, I love that movie. Gosh, Chris O'Donnell did not have the career that he should have had. <laughs> he like was Robin for a hot second, and then Finn, the vet on Grey's Anatomy, and then, and then yep. disappeared. And then disappeared. Oh, what a great mention! I love that movie, and I could never get a hundred women in bride's dresses running through the streets. Oh, it's so I funny. love it. I love it. I had a, I just had a couple on my list too of like things that I just 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 narrowly missed my list. I had Silver Linings Playbook, something that's you know a really hard one, but like it, it's great. It's so so good. Uh, she's out of my league. I love that movie. Um, Yesterday that came out the the Beatles movie that came out mm-hmm. like like two years ago. Really really good. And then uh, the American President, the Aaron Sorkin nineteen ninety five hit Ooh. that basically inspires him to make. The West Wing. The West so Wing. I, I love that movie. It's so, so funny. And a couple of yours really just hit on a lot of the themes that we've already been mentioning. Oh, right? yeah. Like the American president was directed by Rob Reiner and uh, who also directed When Harry Met Sally and yesterday was written by Richard Curtis. Richard, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all, I mean, there's, there's so many, this is such a great genre. This is why we love it. We, that's why we spent, you know, an hour plus talking about the genre, probably an hour and a half talking about it now. And like we, we could, we could go on for another hour. I mean, we we had so much more. We have so much more we left on the table here, but it's it's such a fun genre, such a good uh, topic to talk about, um, such a good thing to watch here on on your Valentine's Day if you're listening to it. Um, but certainly something that, that that's great and um, yeah, good times. So with that, we'd like to thank Kayla for coming on. You added so much more perspective and added quite a lot to this discussion. Uh, so thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely, I would gladly come back again yeah we might have to come bring you back on for a couple more of the uh oh, the list we, podcasts we have going on we definitely will it's so nice Anytime. to have you on <laughs> and thank you all for listening uh this has been the split reel podcast i'm steve packnick you can find me on letterbox at steve underscore packnick and we've got gabe where can they find you again uh you can find me on my personal social media on gabucho Graham. if not um our social media from the podcast split real podcast on facebook and instagram yeah so make sure you follow us on both of those and make sure you click subscribe or follow whatever the uh, subscription service is you do that so thanks a lot we'll see you guys with our regularly scheduled episode on tuesday